And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, uh, joined as always by Lance Airline. Excited for our guest today, uh, Nate Tice. You can hear him on the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays. Uh, it's been a great add to my podcast rotation. Uh, he does some draft writing for Bleacher Report. You can find him on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice. And, you know, welcome to the show, Nate. Before we jump in to some of these specific prospects uh, that I'm eager to get your opinion about, I wanted to ask you about your background a little bit. You obviously grew up around the game. You know, your dad, Mike Tice, longtime NFL coach, including head coach of the Vikings. You played quarterback at the college level. For those unfamiliar, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey up to this point, because uh, I think you bring a really interesting perspective. Yeah, I kind of what, what's so funny, I think, about all this was that baseball was my first love. <laughs> and I. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I got really lucky, as you said, my dad was a coach and I growing up like every August, my, my job, like my first job was to be an equipment guy was, was I was an equipment intern. I was a ball boy, uh, uh, during training camp. And when I was a kid, that used to kind of be a drag. Everyone else is having fun in middle school and doing, going to cabins in Minnesota or going to the lake or something like that. And I'm, I'm 105 degrees in Mankato, Minnesota, picking up towels and stuff. But then as I got older, I, I would not trade that experience for the world because it was just, it was so much osmosis, uh, that I learned just being around the game. Like when you're spotting the ball as a kid and as, as an equipment guy, putting it there and then you hear they're going no huddle and they're calling a play Seattle. And I'm looking at the script, like, what the heck, Seattle? But it's like, all right, now now I know those what those concepts were. Once I started, it was so funny. Years later, I was working with Todd Downing with the Raiders, and we're using the same terms I used as a kid with the Vikings uh, under Scott Linehan. And I was like, hey, I know that play <laughs> because I remember that when I was 15 years old. But uh, going from there, I went to UCF my freshman year. I realized I missed the Midwest a little more than I than I thought I would. I, I ended up got real lucky, transferred to Wisconsin under Paul Chris and Brett Bielma. Uh, I was I. Backup quarterback for Scott Tolzien, backup for Russell Wilson. I learned a lot from those guys and especially Coach Christ. And then I, I followed Chris to Pitt as a GA. Uh, from there, I was a, a scouting assistant, did some pro scouting for the Atlanta Falcons. And then I got real lucky, had an opportunity uh, and to work with my dad in, uh, with, in Oakland uh, as a quality control, quality control coach and assistant quarterback coach. Um, so yeah, doing that. And then I went to the AAF for a year. Yeah, I've kind of done a little bit of everything. Kind of a, uh, I think I have life journeyman on my on my draft profile or my Twitter profile. And that's that's I'm a life nomad. I mean, I really am, and I love it though. And uh, I yeah, the the game of football has just been so good to me and my family. And so it's like it's so much fun getting to talk about it and finding other people on social media that love talking about it as much as I do. Uh, now that I'm kind of a step outside of the industry. Well, yeah, and like like I said, it's such an interesting perspective that, that you offer, especially with uh, these college prospects, because you, know, you played uh, you know a big time college football, uh, part of a big time program, 
and then you saw it on the other side uh, with NFL teams. So uh, I, I want to start this conversation with uh, maybe a simple yet complicated question. Um, <laughs> Uh, of all the offensive skill players in this class that you've you've studied so far, not including quarterbacks, let's we'll stick with running backs, receivers, tight ends. Who's your favorite uh, in this class that you studied? Maybe not the best, but just your favorite guy that you studied so far. That's a fantastic question. Um, can I give like a podium, like a gold, it, mil- it, silver the, medal, the or a gold, silver, bronze? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, just because I've loved him for two years now, I love Devontae Smith uh, just because he is so unique. Like he is the outlier. Uh, it's just such a, he's just such a fun player. I love when a guy kind of like watching Kevin Durant basketball, like when he came into the league, you're like, no way this guy's going to score 20 a game. <laughs> How skinny he is. And he's doing all these freaky things, but then he's still wiry strong. I just love watching his game. Cause he just makes good plays one after another. A guy I, uh, I really like is, is Michael, uh, Michael Carter from North Carolina. That's been one of my more, favorite kind of like i love his game uh yes he's gonna have limitations but he just does so many fun things uh and that's like just one of those those guys that just kind of stood out especially lately um you know and and another guy i'm gonna it's a guy i have ranked really high and it's gonna be rashad bateman the receiver from minnesota i have him um way (laughs) i think a few spots higher than most others do i just think his game translates to the nfl and i just i don't know it's very rare to see a 6-2 guy or 6-1 and change he'll probably measure in at doing the things he does at the college level especially at that young of age i've seen some maybe some seniors you know playing uh that were late starters you know and they developed but i haven't seen kind of a guy with that skill set of athleticism and that size being able to do a 201 sometimes 301 route tree even if he's not always asked to do it this last season he's getting moved into the slot a little bit and running these kind of advanced routes and it really shocked me because i i went into this draft process with fresh eyes i really all this guys were limited tv tape i i'm so focused on the nfl that it was really fun to kind of like be away um and just watch these guys kind of like not knowing a thing <laughs> you know of course i know trevor lawrence but it's like you know like rashad bateman i've only watched him when he beats the crap out of Wisconsin. Um, so actually studying him and, and seeing what he was doing, I, it was just fun. I, it's just when, whenever you have a nice little surprise like that, that's always just like really fun, the scouting process, as you guys know, especially when you're watching like offensive linemen and you have to watch like a whole bunch of crappy ones. And then, <laughs> then you watch that one good offensive lineman, especially if you have to walk like a Pac-12 or Big 12 game with 100 plays. And then you finally get that one gem and you're like, oh, there we go. I, I, liked, I like scouting. <laughs> After you just watch five in a row, they're like, this guy stinks, this guy stinks, this guy stinks. Hey, hey, Nate, yeah. tell people what the uh, the route trees you talked about. Tell them what that means. So uh, with with there in the Minnesota offense, they run a ton of RPOs. So, I mean, they're running slants over and over and over, slants and goes. They run double moves off of bubbles because they, uh, they love running bubbles. So this past year, Bateman, they put him into the slot. And there's, there's one clip that just always sticks in my mind. It was against Purdue. And when he's in the slot, he's running an outbreaker from the slot. And on it, he stems inside, straightens up about 10 yards, and then flattens out. And why I'm saying that's an advanced route is, yeah, it's not that hard. It's it's 10 yards up and out, more or less. But the little details that he's doing, the inside stem, and then he flattens <coughs> out outside the route, like he's coming down as opposed to being loose on the route and letting the guy <coughs> undercut it. Um, those types of things were like 
whoa, like that, that's a route that you don't see somebody run well at the college level. Like they'll drift up field or the inside stem, they'll kind of close out space on themselves, just those types of things. But also he's able to do it from the outside or the inside. And that speaks to me that he has a good feel on these types of things. He can run a slant like with the best of them because he runs a thousand of them a game, but it's these other routes that he's kind of flashing in there. Um, but that's the one that really stuck out to me. He had another one where he was running like a deep hinge route, almost like a stop route, and how tight he came out of that, like and how how at a big body I was able to plant his foot, turn, and not be loose on these routes. And when I say loose, it's kind of just like drifting away, and that at you can get away with it. Defensive backs are so good at the NFL level that they'll take advantage of it. Even just not even just a pick, but just a knockdown or an incompletion, you know. And and it's a game of inches. And like when you're a tight turn, especially at that bit size, and able to do that, that I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that I'm just like, wow, it's it's notable. It's something you don't see every day. It, it's really interesting because Bateman is you know he's not the most sudden athlete out there. Yeah, uh, you know he he's he maybe doesn't have that one step explosion that. Uh, these other receivers offer, but he's, you know, he's pro ready. He's savvy. You know, a lot of the things that you talked about, I mean, are you, are you looking at him as, you know, like a, a Michael Thomas type? I mean, what's, what's the, uh, you know, comparison if, if, if I'm a GM and, you know, I'm, we're sitting in the war room and I'm saying, okay, well, you know, if we draft him, who is he going to be for us on our team? I compared him to Allen Robinson and, okay. I kind of think that's kind of the similar how he'll, he'll end up. He'll be kind of that good number one as opposed to maybe the elite tier. Um, like you said, there are the limitations with some of the movement that will never we'll never speak about him in the same breath as we speak like a Julio where you're just like, wow, you know, like you just, right. everything he does is just like, that's incredible. But I think he's just that very good, that good to very good one. That's a true X. Um, which is, I think is hard to get, uh, especially at that size. So, like, we can get a guy at six foot or five eleven, but getting a six two guy that plays to that size and be a true X. And, and I, I actually was texting somebody the other day. We were talking about Bateman, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, he doesn't really block for me." That's what my friend said. And I go, "Yeah, he's an old school X. X's don't <laughs> block. How many times have you seen Randy Moss block?" <laughs> um, but it's like that's what that's kind of the mentality. That's what I picture him as as just this good number one. Um, Maybe his ceiling isn't as high as the other guys, but I think his game just translates so easily to the NFL level. Something with this wide receiver group that I know I've struggled with a little bit has been uh, they're trying to split up uh, the cluster of the undersized but really mm -hmm. talented receiver. Uh, you know, you've got Kadarius Toney and Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore, Amari Rogers, Tutu Atwell, uh, you know, and they, they all bring something a little different. Uh, it, out of that group, is there one that, you know, you like uh, over the rest as being the best of that group? Man, that, that I'm, I'm with you on that. That is like truly a pick the flavor you like kind of right. tier. Um, I, I'm kind of a sucker for Elijah Moore's game. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, I just am. He's just a ball player. Nate, that was the um, right answer. That was a trick question. Uh, that's, that's, that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I, I can come back on the show. Um, yeah. the, 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 but I think Elijah Moore's game, he's just a football player. Um, you know what's something I, I kind of want to pick your guys' brains on this? Something I kind of noticed when watching him. I was, I was like, man, you know, I wish he kind of burst into his routes a little bit, you know, put a little more speed on it but then i was like this guy also plays 100 plays a game and touches the ball like 20 times he's probably exhausted <laughs> like and that's actually kind of what i kind of started to notice noticing with him but i i think he's just a ball player we we can kind of all just 
see it the same way. Like his negatives are what you expect them to be. It's size. Um, can he win on the outside consistently? We'll, we'll have to see. I've, he does it and he plays big. So, I mean, I, I, he's a good player. He really is. I love Rondale more too, but we all know his injury history, whether the polish, um, from the slot and those types of things. Uh, but those, those are two of those shorter guys. Those are my top two are the more, more, uh, more brothers. Yeah, you know, um, Elijah Moore, for me, I really loved his tape, and he's extraordinarily tough. If, if you haven't yeah. watched him compete in the middle of the field, I mean, he has no fear. Um, his, 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 his concentration through, through combat catches is really fantastic. And, you know, I think he does a really good job. He's got those staccato feet that help him mm-hmm. get out of breaks sharply he's got the he's not real loose with his route so he's you know he kind of he tightens him up to help him with some separation i don't see him as a player who's going to win outside i mean i do see him as a full-time slot um sometime when i see him play i think a sterling shepherd and then there's other times where i see his short area stuff and quickness and ability to win from the slot deeper um reminds me sometimes of antonio brown although brown you know was outside obviously um i see some some footwork stuff that i really love from him so um i re- I, I really like him and Kadarius tony is is a player who is so freestyle based with his routes but that's yeah. one of the things that i learned a while back when i first started is that you know, if you beat guys up for routes, you're really you could end up get, getting it way wrong because that's one of the easiest things to teach. As long as they can bend and have some flexibility and agility and are not too tight, tight in the hips and ankles, um, that's something that can be coached. I mean, and it can be coached fairly quickly. I remember actually writing the phrase something to the effect of Tyreek Hill. You know, I, I didn't love his routes. I was worried about how rounded his routes. I mean, <laughs> you know, looking back and <laughs> looking back at it, it's like, holy crap. I can't believe I even worried about his routes. And, and no, I, I could, I totally know what you mean there because that is where the projection comes in. That's where it's like Elijah Moore is so much easier for like you were just saying, you can watch him, you see what he's doing and you're like, okay, I know how this translates. <laughs> I, I can see how this is going to go into the NFL level. You know, I, my first instinct with Elijah Moore was really, I, I, it was Brandon Cooks, more so Brandon Cooks at Oregon State. Yeah, than that's good. What he did what he did in the NFL because we picture him as like the speed guy in the NFL at Oregon state. He was catching 10 and 12 yard glance routes just over and over and over. Just like, gee, he was just a, a target monster. Um, and that's kind of what I kind of picture him, his role, but Sterling Shepard, you know, uh, or Sterling Shepard is who I had for, um, uh, 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 Omari Rogers. That's actually who I was comparing compared him to, but the, no, and I, I see what Tony, I am low on Tony and I know I am. I, I've been burned by these types of guys in the past, so I have a little bit of that with me. But the with, with Tony is, I think, yes, I, I could see the upside with him and the good player. It's just that you have to place him and select him, just like all these guys. I know this is just captain of the obvious statement. Um, select him where it, it, it makes sense. In that late, I, and to me, he's like a late second, early third player because there is just so much bust potential there. That if you're taking them early second, late first, you're going to be feeding them targets or or feeding them touches that he might not be ready for, and that that can lead to losing football early on. It could lead to everyone getting frustrated. It just could be a bad bad deal. His twitch, I get it. Like his twitch is just ridiculous. Tony, I'm talking about. It's um, and the ball be able to create with the ball in his hands. It's just as a senior, and I get it. He switched positions as a senior. 
use needing gadget plays. And when I say gadget, I mean like screens and everything to generate touches is always worrisome for me. Um, if you have to do that at the college level where you can't get the ball and the natural flow of play, like, like some of these other shorter guys do, like an Amari Rogers or something of that sort, who is a true slot guy. If you're not getting the ball and the, the flow of play in college, that kind of always is an alarm bell for me. It's one of those things. Okay. If you, we need to manufacture your touches at this young of age at college where you should be dominating and it shouldn't matter where routes should. I mean, we see Rondell Moore, his routes aren't great, but he's still running routes down the field and you know, they're a little tighter than, than Tony's are. So those kind of, that's where my red flags kind of come in. I, I see the rare movement skills and all that and, and the, or the excellent movement skills. I wouldn't say rare, but it, it's one of those things where I just, I, it, it, those alarm bells really matter because it's like all of a sudden you get to the NFL level. Well, we're not going to dial you up five screens a game. You're, you're the rookie. Like we're going to dial you up like two touches a game and you better make the most of it. All right. Well, now we're just going to call this drop back pass. And if you're not getting open in the flow of play, all right, where well, you're getting two touches a game and they're both gadget plays. Like that's just a, that's just a lot of lot of hurdles to climb for a player like that. And but I, I get the upside with him. It's just that I have uh, a lot of alarm bells with him. I think that's absolutely fair. So much will depend on where he where he goes, how they use him. I mean that that's really the. Uh, going to be the recipe for him. Um, plus, he has the off-field stuff. Uh, there, I know plenty yeah. of teams that are concerned about just you know how 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 much does he want to be a football player? How much does he want to be a rapper? A few other things. <laughs> so you know, there, there's all that <laughs> stuff going on too. Uh, one other receiver I wanted to ask you about before we uh, maybe we do a different position. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, an easy player to like. Easy player to like. Yeah. Uh, he's a ball winner. Uh, I really like the way he can adjust to the ball in flight. Um, you know, he, he might not be that elite speed guy, you know, that's really going to scare, uh, corners, but he's ultra competitive. Uh, he can play across the formation. Uh, you know, I got done stacking my receivers and I'm just like, geez, I got, I got St. Brown too low, but then like, I'm <laughs> trying to stack them and it's just, okay, well, I don't, I don't know what to do with him. I, my, my, my one worry with him is, has he, is he close to his ceiling already? Because he came to, he was so polished in high school and we saw that at USC, even as a freshman, how polished he was. Is he near a ceiling? Uh, how much upside is there? I mean, how did you see St. Brown? St. Brown was a late watch for me. And one of those where I was like, oh, I, I need to watch a few more games of him. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny you said that about when you're stacking these guys. And you're like, man, he's too low. Had the exact <laughs> same thought with St. Brown. And I, I kind of, I think I just tweeted right before I came on here, just uh, how I tiered these guys. And St. Brown was kind of the top of my third tier. And I could see him moving though. Like it, it's just, he has a twitch to him. I, uh, just a movement ability. Like he was, ca- he, he would catch out routes or flat routes, you know, like uh, this is a good kind of like mental comparison. I'm not comparing him to, I'm just saying just what this guy does. How many times you've seen like Tyreek Hill catch like a flat route. And then he turns up the field and gets like seven more yards. Like, and it's like, and like a blink of an eye and you're like, oh my God, it's like a little RC car that just shoots up the sideline. <laughs> like St. Brown does that really well, not comparison to Tyreek at all. I'm just saying that ability to get North and get that, those extra kind of like not taking the top off where you're, you're hitting a home run, but getting those extra three, four, five, six, seven yards. Every time you catch the ball, those kind of add up. And he kind of, he has that movement where he's able to do that really easily. Like he's, he has those fluid hips where he catches a ball, he drops steps and boom, he's, he's accelerating. He's at zero. He might not get to 60, but he's zero to 50 really quickly. And then he can get to that top gear. It's funny. You said that about the polish, because I actually, one of the things I had noted with him was that he could get a little loose with his stuff. Um, 
not as not to the level of Tony, uh, but I, I do see him kind of like maybe getting a little high with his routes and a little like he kind of ad libs with something trying to get open when he maybe gets a he's pushing it. You'll see receivers get frustrated during the third quarter. They don't have a touch or a target yet. And all of a sudden they're right. like, I got to get open here. I'm not getting the ball. If I run the route perfect, then this guy's jamming me the whole day. I see that happening with St. Brown a little bit where he gets a little antsy with his stuff. Um, he's a guy though. I really liked it. I, I kind of, I have him, I think right now he's number 10, I think on, on my, on my board. Um, and I think that's kind of where he'll end up sitting for me, but it's one of those guys I liked a lot. I want to watch more of, and I want to watch last year's tape when he had a quarterback that could actually get him the ball. Um, I want to watch a couple more games of that, uh, from last year. I, I, um, you know, I, I think he is who he is and I, and that's not a, by the way, that's not a knock. I'm looking no. where I have him right now. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got about 12, 13, but I mean, all these guys are in the same six, two neighborhood. So it's, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of your flavor. I think uh, for him, he's going to work out. He should work out fairly well, but I am curious about his speed because I didn't see a second gear where he could, you know, really open those strides up and, and take off down the field. But I thought he was a very pro ready type of wide receiver. Like, you, you know what you're going to get. And some of those guys, you know, I'm looking at the list of, of players and I, and I, you know, a, a guy who I think needs a big that I'm probably going to drop who needs a big pro day is Nico Collins. Um, I think Nico needs to run really fast because he's a build up mm-hmm. guy with with great size. But his senior bowl didn't do a lot for me. I want to throw a couple names in here that I have in my stack since we're talking about stack, Dane. And they're different types of wide receivers. Um, and that's going to be Kay Johnson from South Dakota State, Josh Palmer from Tennessee, and let me throw in Tylen Wallace at you from Oklahoma State. Curious to see what you guys, and I don't know how many of those guys you've seen, Nate. I'm, I'm curious what you think about those guys, Dane, because they're they're very different types of wide receivers, the three of them, but I'm interested to see how you stack them because Cade just killed it, just killed it at the Senior Bowl. And he's a guy that I think is going to be a really good pro player. Yeah, I, I, we've we talked about him before. How I, I first name that I thought of watching Cade was Dennis Northcutt. I mean, just uh, <laughs> uh, it, easy comp for me, just with the toughness uh, out of the slot. Just you know what you're getting with him. Um, you know, Palmer's interesting because he didn't have a quarterback, and that showed. But he's a vertical receiver, and he could you know beat uh, receivers uh, or you beat corners uh, vertical patterns. You know, Patrick Sertan knows about that. Uh, Talon Wallace, though, he's the interesting one uh, out of the three because, uh, you know, he's he almost looks more like a running back than a receiver. You know, he doesn't have ideal size, but he consistently makes plays over defenders. But how does that translate? You know, I mean, it's one thing to be making these catches over uh, corners in the Big 12. It's another. But, you know, if that's your specialty, if that's what you do best, you know, being physical and winning and contested situations how does that translate versus uh, you know NFL level corners? Uh, how do you see Wallace Nate? I I actually liked Wallace a lot. I get it. He he lacks a lot of twitch. Um, actually, my comparison and and really I feel pretty good about this one was uh, with Cooper Cup. Uh, I I actually thought Tylen he doesn't he hasn't asked to run a lot, but he has really good body control and his hand eye coordination. I think it's very very good, even excellent. Um, I I think. He lacks that twitch where he's not going to create a lot of yak. Notice next time he catches a ball that he tucks it like a fullback 
and just gets north. Like he doesn't try to juke anybody. Like he just covers up and then just gets north and like runs through like a full back. Or, you know, like when you go through the uh, the bags or something, you know, when everyone hits you on the side and you tuck up and go through the tunnel. That's what Tillon Wallace does every time he catches the ball. And the other guy that does that is Cooper Cup. So maybe that's what I, what I'm seeing there. But it's I I see this ball scales. I actually think he's a very good route runner as well. Um, I think just his body control. He's just not asked to do a lot of routes. But everything is very detailed. He he has tight turns on everything. Um, he just he has a lot of refinement. But it's you're talking about both sides of your mouth. It's easy to run good routes when you're not very twitchy because <laughs> your body doesn't get out of control. Um, so, but I I really liked him. He actually was just below St. Brown for me. Um, I, I have him, I think, a, a 10 or 11 um, in that that realm. I think he's going to be a good pro, but I, I get the limitations with him. It's He doesn't create a lot of separation, uh, but it's the same concerns a lot of these types of guys have that don't have that top-tier athleticism. I just think his the the that body control and the ball skills that he has, the hand-eye coordination that he shows consistently, I think that stuff translates. And he might never be your top two weapon on your team but he could be a a really nice kind of a super role player that maybe you move around like a z that could play some slot for you on third down just like cooper cup does looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Kyle Pitts conversation, you know, moving to tight end here, uh, it's really interesting because I think most would agree he's one of the best talents in this class. But you know, there's a debate about where you draft him. Uh, the track record of tight ends in the top 10, not great. But I think you know the response to that is, 
how many prospects have we seen that look like Kyle Pitts? Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> right. The answer is obviously not many, uh, if any. So how, how do you see Pitts transitioning? Um, and if you were running a team, where would you feel comfortable uh, drafting a player like that? Yeah, that's I, I think we all have the same concerns. Like I am Mr. Don't take a tight end early. <laughs> don't don't even touch one. Uh, it doesn't work. But Pitts, Pitts is rare. Uh, like you said, there's not many prospects that have come along like this. Like the other one that I remember just being a, a, a freak coming in was Vernon Davis, but he was a totally different type of prospect. Davis was just a athletic freak that, uh, could do some other things that could do the, the tight end things a little well. Pitts is just like a, a football player that you could split out and he's so young. I think the fact that he's 20 and still has upside to, and body to fill out. You know, I think he's still going to gain another 15 pounds to his frame and he's a willing blocker. So it's one of those, if you are going to take a tight end top 10, he's the one Uh, I'll put it that way. I don't love it. I I think, um, tight end is one of those things that takes a while to be, to make an impact. It's a hard position to learn, you know, tight end and corner are probably two of the, two of the hardest positions to learn as a rookie along with quarterback, which doesn't need, doesn't need to be said. But I, I think it's one of those things that it's, if you were going to do it and take a tight end, uh, you know, in that five to 10 range, he's the one, he's the one to take just that some of these other teams are going to have more needs than that. But I think there might be some trades happening in the top 10. So that might make it a little more, uh, uh, an easier pill to swallow when you're taking Kyle Pitts number seven to a team that might already have, have weapons or anything like that, like a dolphins or something that backed down, you know, that traded down a little bit, um, something like that. But, uh, yeah, he's a freak. He he's, he's the rare tight end prospect. I, I have him number three overall, my big board after Lawrence and fields. I just, Oh, think he's so a, you've got, yeah. So you've got him up there the same way we do. Oh, way up there. It's just a yeah, philosophical it, thing. Yep. That's all it is. It, that's the, it's the classic big board and draft difference. You know, it, it's the, it's and the people need to understand that. that by the way, like, you know, it's funny, DJ, I have to put I have to put grades on players, but my grades are not necessarily how I would stack like a center. You know, a grade yeah. just says, OK, there's going to be certain positions where you just have the advantage of it doesn't mean I, I think this player is better than another player. But if you're yep. a running back, you can end up catching a 59 and a 59 is a, a standard backup grade. But that's mm-hmm. what most running backs end up, you know a greater percentage of running backs coming out in a draft are going to end up with in on my grading chart, a 59 or a 58. Yep. Um, but it doesn't third, mean that fourth, I fifth round grade. Third, it, that's it, what exactly. They all I mean, get smack dab in the middle there for, for, for me. And, and if you watch the way that the drafts happen, there are certain positions and Dane, I'm sure you've studied this. You kind of, I can look at a type of player and say, okay, this kind of player is a, okay. So he's a guard He's not a great athlete. He's very strong. He has great size. He's limited. That's a fourth round guard. Like it's a fourth yeah. round guard and he's going to be a starter, a future starter. It's not the, the, the script has already been written in terms of where cer- certain types of guys get drafted based on their traits. The problem I have with, with downgrading Kyle Pitts is that when you, it's really the thought that when you get your hands on Kelsey, and I know there's not a lot of Kelsey's, uh, but Kittle, Kelsey, and Kittle's a really fantastic blocker. Kelsey, not as much. Gronk, obviously, a different type of tight end. But when you get a guy that is an extremely challenging matchup for defenses, they have like a what I call a multiplier effect on the offense, where 
you you just simply cannot match up with them. And they change the way you cover. They change the way you game plan. And it opens so many things up. And when you look at Gronk, you look at Kelsey and then, you know, Kittle for the short time that we've seen him healthy and able to play. They just make such an enormous difference. And I'm looking at a guy that's built like Megatron. Like he's he's built like Calvin Johnson, who plays, quote unquote, tight end. Um I just think that it's the reason I have him as high as you do, Nate. I think I have him second on my board. But it's also one of the reasons that if I am a creative offensive coordinator, I look at him as a chess piece that you are really going to have trouble matching up with. And I just think in today's football, you know, I just I value that over my own philosophy of not going too crazy over tight ends as well. I look at him as a pass catcher. I mean, I just I almost call I almost Mm -hmm. don't give him a, a title, to be honest with you, of position. Yeah, yeah, that's it, fair. It, but it, I, he can block, yeah. though. I mean, like, I mean, he can at least execute basic blocks. So if you, you want to, you don't have to line, hide him. He can do that, right? You don't have to hide him. Like, uh, like Darren Waller. Like uh, up until this year, you truly had to hide. Like he was on the backside, and even Kelsey for a few years was like that. And now Kelsey has gotten that kind of old man strength, so he's actually like throwing <laughs> some blocks in. But I, uh, no, but I, I agree with both of you. It's just. He, he's rare. I mean, like you said, he's a pass catcher, and it's truly a tight end that's a pass catcher, but he's not 220 pounds doing it. <laughs> he's, he's already 240 and change, probably going to get to 255 in the pros, probably maybe even up to 260, how long he is. But it's like, that's, like you said, it, you have him number two, I have him number three. It's just like, he is that hell of a player. It's just that, yeah, you just got to you just gotta see how, how you value that position. But yeah, no, I, I think he is a hell of a player. It reminds me of Quentin Nelson, just in terms of that, conversation where he's yeah. clearly one of the best players in the draft it's just how <laughs> i had him number two as well it, that's exactly. a great comparison yeah but yeah where do you feel comfortable drafting him uh yep. and you know obviously the makeup of your roster and you know impact potential factors in um okay well we got to talk about these quarterbacks uh you know it's do you see it as there's a clear number one and then it, there's a couple guys battling it for number two uh you know just kind of uh, the overview of the top of the, of the position. Is that how you see it? Yeah. Uh, for quarterbacks. Yeah. I Lawrence, I think is a clear one. Um, and actually I have fields too. I, I think fields is closer, closer to Lawrence than the other two. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I, yeah, I've tweeted a little bit. I think some of the, the progression stuff and all that's overblown. Um, I, I think this, this guy is, the, the limitations for me is the longer release, sometimes his deep balls, because he'll throw them late, die on him, but he's still throwing at 60 yards. So we just have to improve, you know, when he gets them out. Um, I, I just think he's a hell of a player. I just think he really is. Like, I think any other draft, he's an easy 1-1. It's, it's just that we kind of know what he's kind of limited at. Just got to quicken up the, the clock a little bit. Um, I, I have Trey Lance 3. And this is not a detriment to Zach Wilson because I think Zach Wilson's I have Zach Wilson as a top 10 grade. I have all four of these guys as top eight grades. Basically. Um, I think this is this draft class lives up to the hype. It's I am a tough grader on quarterbacks. I think the last, really the last draft I did hardcore was 2015, 2016. Um, and this is, this blows that draft class out of the water. 2015 draft class blows out of the water. 2014 class blows out of the water. Like this, these are four legit, uh, franchise quarterbacks and then mac jones isn't anything to sneeze at either i have him at five i gave him a middle second round grade uh, but i get you're always gonna get the half grade inflation with quarterbacks correct if you have a half second if it's middle second round grade he'll probably go in the late first um you know that's kind of just how it goes at that position uh that's kind of how that's how i shook, shook it out it's lawrence fields 
um, Lance Wilson Jones and I, and they're all good prospects. It's, it's a fun, really fun class to watch. Um, I liked Wilson. I think some of it is, you know, of course the competition thing. I actually think the size thing is what's kind of been a little worse for me. He might be under 210 pounds trying to do what he does at that size might not translate. I, I, I just, just to be, being bigger, it's like the speed score for running backs, you know, that Bill Barnwell came up with. You see football outsiders do kind of the same thing as being an athlete at the quarterback position. 207, Zach Wilson runs a 47, but then say Justin Fields or Trey, Trey Lance run a 465 at 200, like 30 pounds more, 25, 30 pounds more. That's a bigger, fuller athlete that's not going to get knocked over in the pocket. That's my one like real limitation with Wilson. Do think he throws a beautiful deep ball, off script stuff's great, his accuracy is great. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the upside with Lance, which just his what surprised me with Lance was when I was watching him was how heady he is. His football IQ at such a young age, like he was changing protections as a redshirt freshman. And I was just those kind of things. That's what made me like him even more. Not only just the traits, size, arm strength, his ability to move, throw on the run, all those types of things. His footwork in the pocket's really nice. He has a lot more polish to him than I thought than he would be. I thought he was going to be some wild horse back there. It's not. He is like that's not like how almost they mechanical. Things. Yeah, no, they, it's they, not. they ask them. Every quarterback has to set their own protection there. I it's talked awesome. to their their quarterback coach, and they go through like I'm looking at my board now. I've kept it up. Mondays, um, he has to study the opponent's personnel groupings. Okay. Tuesdays are third down and pressure uh, packages. Yep. He studies the opponents. Wednesday is red zone. Yep. Uh, opponents red zone Thursdays, their two minute defense. And then Friday is a cut up of all of the things. So he's got to create his own cut ups. I mean, what they're asking their quarterbacks to do, and specifically in this case, Trey Lance, he's a, a full field reader. What they're asking him to do is it's not a stretch to say this guy is going to come into the league most mentally ready. People get confused when you when you say that they get upset. But from a mental standpoint, in yeah. terms of how the game is played, at the quarterback position, North Dakota State does it right. Like they, yep. they get guys ready to be pro quarterbacks yep. based on an Easton Stick, Carson Wentz, and now uh, Trey Lance. The thing that bothered me a little bit with him, and I asked Quincy Avery, who he's, who he's been working with about it, and Quincy said the same thing. You know, he's one of those um, – he's a guy that doesn't throw interceptions, very many interceptions – but I also saw this with Marcus Mariota. There are opportunities to to take plays that are out there on the field, and he didn't take them. And I, I the one thing I do get concerned about is, especially on that level, if you're not doing it, if you see it, I want you to attack it. I want you to have a little bit more wild stallion, you know, a little bit more gunslinger. And I asked Quincy, I said, can you can you coach the gunslinger into a guy? He said, yeah, I think I think there's some things he. You know, Quincy actually was on our podcast name where he just mm -hmm. he said this is not what they're really asking him to do. But mm -hmm. I think instinctively you want him to take a few more chances, not be loose with the football. But the old uh, casino adage, you know, in blackjack, you got to bet big to win big. I want to <laughs> see him bet big a little bit more once he gets into the pros. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. I actually that's my one of my negatives with him was that he's almost too robotic at times. And, uh, and you could see it a lot on like wheel routes or even, you know, inside fade balls is that he has to just quicken up his hitch. He's like, okay, I'm taking one, two th out of the gun, one, two, three hitch progress throw, as opposed to one, two, three hitch and throw 
Like he is, he's trying to do everything perfect. And that's one of those things that he'll just keep learning to shortcut. And I, that I, I'm, I completely agree with you just kind of saying it a different way is that, yeah, I, I almost be a little more less robotic and be a little more of a football player kind of, you know, really, really, uh, uh, just let things happen and ad lib and stuff like that. And I, I think he can, cause he has the athleticism, the ability, the ability to move, uh, throw on the move, uh, which, which is half of that right there. It's funny. You brought up that, that their weekly schedule in there because that's an NFL schedule. Like you said, he is going to be most mentally prepared as he gets into NFL level because just going over a defense like that, every college team is going to have some version of that, but that's exactly how an NFL team does it. That's, you know, like what we did at Wisconsin, we be almost whole thing was to treat the team like an NFL team as far as mentally preparing for a game. Um, and that's kind of the similar structure that North Dakota state does. So that's really, really cool to hear. And it makes so much sense because so many times there'll be a pressure or something and I'll see, you can see the quarterback communicating a lot. Sometimes to give it a cadence, sometimes to kill a play, sometimes it's to to change a protection. But in college, when they're doing it, you don't really see guys changing protections in college. It's it's rare. It, it really is. Not only that, you don't see a retro freshman doing it. So, and not only that, retro freshman at North Dakota State doing it. So it's that's pretty special and, and mentally in a mental capacity. That's that's a pretty cool thing, and that's a, that's a really good tidbit that you had about their their uh, their uh, game planning. Before we let you go, uh, I, I did want to talk more about Justin Fields because he's just so fascinating as a prospect. Um, there's so much variance in opinion. Uh, I know some around the league that agree and believe he's the number two quarterback in this class. I was talking to a guy last night who scouts for a team who said he thinks he's going to be the fifth quarterback drafted, which was the first time I've heard that, um, which you know, Twitter of a field day with that. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's just really interesting when you have a player that um, you know, based off of what he was asked to do in that offense and just the physical traits, um, you know, some of his issues, it, it boils down to, it's not that he can't do it. It's just, maybe we haven't seen him do it in terms of, um, you know, coming off that read quicker or being, uh, you know, more spontaneous. I think that's the biggest reason for me why I have Wilson over fields is, uh, I really put a lot of value in the quarterback that can make the spontaneous, quick, great decision. Uh, that and that's what Zach Wilson does consistently. Where Fields is a little more methodical, mm-hmm. uh, but part of that is just the structure of the offense. So how do you uh, balance, you know, what he's, you know, trying to identify what he's asked to do, and then trying to uh, identify, you know, can he actually do it with the, uh, you know, different coaching at the next level? And, and this is Fields, or is this uh, Wilson? Fields, Sorry, yeah. Fields. So with Fields, with their offense, a lot of those. Um, a lot of those concepts is they do translate because they're like 989, which is two verticals and an inside inside read route, which every team runs. And then they don't run anything that's uh, not NFL concepts. It's just that they only run like these six plays and they run them over and over and over again. And a lot of those concepts have um, just a vertical element where it's. You know, it's funny. Here's here's kind of like what 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 Fields does that I think will help him translate to the NFL a little more. This 989 play, which is two goes on the outside. Peyton Manning used to run the crap out of it. Uh, the touchdown to Scotty Miller against the Packers was this play uh, at the end of the first half. The mi- the middle play or the middle player either slot or tight end runs either a post or a dig on the inside middle read. And on these plays, usually um, the quarterback, it'll be max protection. The quarterback will go from a deep route and then check it down just because you don't have time to go from vertical to vertical to vertical. Justin Fields goes, stays vertical on these reads. He'll go, go to post to go and, and throw it and complete it, which is just like, he won't be able to do that at the, at the NFL level. But 
the aggressiveness and the fact that he's keeping his eyes downfield, knowing that he's holding on to the ball for four plus seconds, like that's kind of cool. Like you can coach, I think you, it's easier to, to teach a guy to stop being as aggressive with his eyes than the other way, than the other way going like, Hey, stop looking down start scrambling. Like start, you know, you really got to progress through this. I think at the NFL level, what feels will end up doing is deeper out, deeper out, check it down. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that Fields needs to keep working on. He's, he does it. Like I, I, I've posted clips on it. He will check it down. It's just that I think it has to be maybe pounded into him to maybe, Hey, take these four yard gains. Like you don't have to go for gashes every single play. I know in college, that's what they asked you to do, but you don't have to do it now because they don't run any, barely any quick game. They don't run a lot of like easy gimme plays for fields. It's a lot of verticality. It's a lot of, um, just making him work. He has to throw field outs all the time. He has to throw digs. He has to throw all these big routes. So I think he's already got the hard aspect. It's almost like he has to learn, relearn how to do the little things, throwing quick game consistently, um, just taking the check down, um, you know, tucking and running. And, and as opposed to maybe progressing and keeping your eyes downfield, maybe tucking and running and ad libbing, like we were just talking about the other quarterbacks having to do. I think that's going to be his biggest transition. It's almost taking out the aggression from him. And I think that's, what's going to help him. Um, I, I just see when he is reading these things out, he knows these concepts so well, he progresses really well. His eyes are really well. I just think he's being asked to do these aggressive things. Um, but that's the one thing you have to learn. It's like when Deshaun Watson came into the quarterback, he took so many sacks or to came to the NFL. He took so many sacks. And it's because he was so aggressive, kept his eyes downfield all the time. And it's like, Hey, Deshaun, just just check it down, bud. <laughs> We're going to save you a couple of hits and we'll get a six yard gain. It's fine. We'll take a six yard gain. We don't need to score a touchdown every play. I think Fields has a little bit of that into him. I think he has a little more polish where you check it down, but I think he just needs to keep doing those kind of more quarterback things. No, that that's that's a, a really great description. And I think you know when it comes down to it, a, a lot of teams, and maybe this is the Josh Allen effect, but a lot of teams are just going to bank on the physical traits. And yeah. you know, if you're as long as they're convinced that you are smart enough and the mental capacity is there, they're going to feel comfortable, uh, you know, bringing you on board, and you know, we'll 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 coach the rest. So, um, you know, it's it's just going to be really interesting with these quarterbacks where they land, uh, the order, how many go top ten. It's it's really going to be fascinating. So. Uh, all right, Nate. This was this was really awesome. Took you or kept you longer than uh, I, I thought, <laughs> or I promised, which I, I figured we would. Uh, but I really appreciate your perspective. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at uh, Nate underscore Tice. Uh, you're listening to him to him on the Athletic uh, Football Show with Robert Mays, reading him on uh, Bleacher Report. Uh, really look forward to following your stuff the rest of the way. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. That'll do it for this week on Prospects of Pros. You can find Lance on Twitter at Lance Erline. I'm at DP Brugler. As always, please subscribe, rate, comment. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week.